Thank you very much for your uh, invitation uh, to come and speak here at Horwich and uh, you're welcome this morning. I can't remember, in all sincerity, I didn't think to look in the diary about the last time we were here to actually share God's Word together, but it's probably in the region of six, maybe even seven years. I think the last time we came was uh, for a Roger Carswell evening. Um, but it's uh, it's been a long time, but it's good to be here. It's good to worship together, it's good to praise together, and it's good to think about God's Word and see how God is leading us as we uh, as we worship Him and serve Him together this morning. I'd like to read two passages, first of all. One from the Old Testament, and that's Isaiah 7, uh, 13 to 16. And then we'll read Matthew chapter 1, from 18 to 23. Isaiah 7, from verse 13, and then Matthew 1, from verse 18. Uh, they're fairly unseasonal, uh, these readings, but uh, God willing, we'll... Uh, We'll see what God is saying to us through words like this, this morning. Isaiah seven thirteen to 16. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you, will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey ye shall heat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. Amen. Then into Matthew chapter 1 from 18 to 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a sin, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we have this amazing privilege of being able to come freely and openly into your presence today. We thank you, Lord, that as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you receive us openly. You receive us, Lord, to give you the worship and the praise that are due to your name. And we come in the one name of your Son, Jesus, today, Lord, to worship you through him. Thank you, Lord, that he hears and receives our prayers, brings them before your throne of grace, and thank you, Father, that in your power you answer each one. Sometimes you say no, but each prayer we bring is offered, uh, is offered to you and answered clearly. So thank you now, Lord, for this opportunity to share your word together. Bless the readings. Bless each one of our hearts that we might receive these words, speaker and hearers alike. And hide me away behind you across now, Lord, that we might focus on you and giving you and you alone the glory, the praise and the worship today. In your son's name, accept as we pray. Amen. Amen. 
this morning, in one respect, we're going to be doing a little bit of linguistics. I'm not the world's greatest uh, language person. I, I failed French A level, um, but I did get a French O level. Um, I tried to do Russian and failed miserably at that too. But when you believe in the Lord God, when you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour, there are some words that you come to that you come to in the in the Word, and they have important meanings. Uh, the, the first word really to look at this morning is that simple word, Emmanuel. Now the place where I have the privilege of being the pastor is called Emmanuel Evangelical Mission. So it's a word that's very dear to my heart. And that word Emmanuel simply means God with us. So we can believe that this morning. God is here blessing us with his presence today. Where two or three are gathered. He is in the midst. When you take Emmanuel and turn it into English, and one word becomes three, but that's linguistics for you. God with us, that English phrase translated from Hebrew, is in the present tense. It doesn't say God was with us yesterday, might be with us tomorrow. It doesn't say God might be with us three weeks on Thursday. It simply means that God today, at this moment, continually, is with us. He's with us in his love and his grace and his mercy in the here and the now. So bear that, uh, that thought about Emmanuel with us uh, for a few moments. If we go back uh, to about the end of 2001, there'd just been uh, another president inaugurated in the White House. And a group of religious leaders had been invited to go to the White House. And they were in Washington, and they were going to pray with the president. There were about 30 different people there, and they represented so many different organisations. And they all looked good. They were wearing the best robes, uh, clerical collars, Geneva bands, whatever was appropriate to their particular branch of either Christianity or other faiths. There were Catholic cardinals. The president of the Mormon church was there. Episcopalians, Jewish and Muslim leaders. Baptists, Methodists, even a few evangelicals, a leader of the Baha'i faith. Somebody once said, if Jesus had chosen that moment to return, it would have answered an awful lot of questions about who was actually on the right path to God, by who would have been left standing in that room. Now, one man who was there should have felt out of place, because he wasn't the leader of a denomination. He'd never worn any sort of robes or a clerical collar but he knew that of all the guests there he was special and when he was introduced uh, to President Bush he gave his name and then he said Mr President I was born and bred in Andrews Texas and that's about 20 miles away from a place called Midland in Texas which is George Bush's hometown and the president said to Max Licardo wow he says I've walked your streets, I know you a town, I've even played you a golf course, would you believe? And Max Licardo stood up, got about an inch or two taller, because it's nice to know that the then most powerful man in the world has actually walked your streets and knows your town. And that's great, but how much nicer is it for us today to know the very same about God? Our God is in heaven today, he rules the universe today, but he still walked our streets. He's walked 
upon this plight. He was near enough to touch. He was strong enough to trust in. And Paul blends all those words and thoughts into this verse in Romans 8 and verse 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. That's the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who we've remembered in bread and wine this morning. He's at the right hand of God right now. And that is the place of highest honour. Jesus is above all powers. You can read these words, more wonderful words that Paul put together in Ephesians 1 and 20, 21 to 23. Words that he was inspired to write by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And God put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That simply means Jesus is in charge. A leaf falls from a tree in a park somewhere in Horwich. Jesus Christ caused that to happen. A newborn baby in hills for the first time. Somewhere maybe at the Royal Bolton Hospital. Jesus measured that breath. Knew the precise moment it would be taken. Autumn time, you see the birds swirling together and gathering together, ready to migrate. Jesus is the one who did takes the course that they're going to take. Because Jesus again, and this is uh, Paul again, this is Colossians 1 and verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Go on a bit further. By him all things were created, that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. That's a stunning list when you think about it, isn't it? That's an absolutely staggering list. Heavens and earth. The visible, the invisible, thrones and dominions, principalities and powers. Absolutely nothing is left out of that list. The tiniest part of a coral reef. Each her on our heads. Rainfall and wind. The baby's first breath. The elderly person's last breath. All these things were traced back to the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the firstborn of all creation. And that word firstborn there has nothing to do with the order of birth. This is about rank. This is about position. The Lord Jesus Christ ranks higher than anything, than everybody who's ever existed. We've just crowned a new king. He's a king with a little K. The Lord Jesus is King of Kings. He is just such power and majesty and wonder. And just think about the things that Jesus did when he was upon this earth. Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. Jesus rebuked it, cured it. A tax needed to be paid. And this is wonderful. Jesus paid that tax by sending a coin 
into a fish's into a fish's mouth, by sending the fish into a fisherman's net, and by sending Peter to get the fish and take the corn out of the mouth. The power of our Saviour is just wonderful. Think about 5,000 people on a hillside getting hungry and Jesus turning the boy's picnic basket into a bottomless feast, more than enough for everyone. 12 baskets of scraps of of stuff left over were gathered together. Jesus, our saviour, is absolute authority. And he knew his power and he was precise in the use of that power. He called Lazarus out of the tomb. But he didn't say to the tomb, come on, come on out. He had to call Lazarus by name. If he hadn't called Lazarus by name, everybody in that graveyard would have got up and walked. He's precise in the way he directs his love to each one of us and the way he calls each one of us. In Matthew 28 and 18, nobody argues when Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Take it back into the Old Testament. This is Job 37 and verse 9 through to 14. From the chamber of the south comes the whirlwind, and cold from the scattering winds of the north. By the breath of God ice is given, and the broad waters are frozen. Also with moisture he saturates the thick clouds. He scatters his bright clouds. They swirl about being turned by his guidance, that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Listen to this, O Job. Listen to this, each one of us. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Just think about the universe that we are a part of. Uh, I've heard a lot recently about, um, is it Euclid? Is that the spacecraft that's just been sent off? It's going to take six years to map the universe. They're talking about dark matter and dark energy and this and that and the other. Only 6%, it seems, of the existing universe has been mapped. Well, it's been created by God. It's beyond our understanding. People want to know when it's going... What was the phrase somebody used? We want to know why we are here and where we are going. Well, the answer's here. It's in this Bible. We're here to praise and to worship God. We are going, if we know and accept Jesus as Saviour, to be in his heavenly presence forever. But before this Euclid spacecraft, there was the Hubble Space Telescope. It's sending back infrared images of galaxies that are approximately, what is it, 12 billion light years away. Now, I love numbers. 12 billion light years is 12 billion times 6 trillion miles. And no matter how much I like numbers, that... That's way, way beyond. Too many knots. Just can't understand that. That's ridiculous. One star, and this star is created by Jesus, Eta Kerenai, it outshines our sun by five million times the intensity. And sometimes you look up at our sun without thinking and you're blinded for a moment. Something like that will just wipe us out. But we're in the right place. We're in the right time. I think the scientists, or before the scientists, somebody called said we're in the Goldilocks zone. Not too cold, not too warm, just right. We're in the right place because God has placed us here in this place with our son at the right time.
Betelgeuse is a star. It has a diameter of 100 million miles. It's beyond calculation, isn't it? It's, it's, it's something you can't really take in. But all this immensity goes back to the beginning, to the Lord Jesus Christ, his power, his majesty, and his glory. Colossians 1 and verse 15 and 16 again. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. By him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. When we believe that, and we look at some of those crazy statistics about stars with a hundred million miles diameter, that's more glory being given to God. Because Jesus Christ created all these things simply by his speech. If we believe these things, then are we ready to believe Philippians 4 and 13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because the same Jesus, the same one who created all these amazing galaxies, he's the Christ who's with us when we're scratching our heads and trying to drag ourselves out of bed on a Monday morning. He's the one who manages our days, the star maker manages our days. We really do have a friend in the very highest places because the commander of the universe, he knows our names, he's walked our streets. But even in heaven, Jesus remains our saviour, like a next door neighbour. Even in heaven, he still is Jesus Christ who died. Because the king of the universe directs the universe with a human tongue and with a human hand. Still human and still divine. A man called Peter Lewis wrote in one of his books, Go to the spiritual heart of this created universe, you will find a man. Go to the place where angels bow who never fell, you will find a man. Go to the very centre of the manifested glory of the invisible God and you'll find a man. True human nature, one of our own race mediating the glory of God. Angels worship what the disciples touched. Jesus appeared to his, his followers in a body of flesh and bone and blood. At the end of the Gospel of Luke, he says, a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. The resurrected body that Jesus has, had was a real body. It was real enough to walk on the Emmaus Road. Real enough to be mistaken in, in the Garden of Gethsemane for a gardener. It was real enough to make and to eat fish at breakfast time. Somehow it was different too. The Emmaus Road disciples didn't recognise him. Walls could no longer hold him. In Matthew 16, 12, Mark can only try to find the words to say Jesus appeared in another form. And it was the same form, but it was better. It was glorified, a heavenly body. And nowhere in the Bible does it say he's ever changed it. He ascended into heaven in that body. Right at the very beginning of the book of Acts, we read these words. Acts chapter 1 and verse 11. So look at verse 9 first of all. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. When he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And that body that he ascended into heaven with is the same one he will return with. The angel said to the disciples, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? 
the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Today at this moment, the Jesus we worship is still God and man. The Jesus who died at Calvary is our Lord and Saviour in heaven. The hands that bless that boy's bread and fish now hear and receive and bless the prayers of us here this morning and millions around this world today. The greatest power in existence understands you and me and even intercedes for you and me. 1 John 2 and verse 1 says, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now we started with a bit of linguistics, a bit more now. It's about a man called John Clark, and this is brilliant because you're off to Democratic Republic of Congo. Is that uh, an evolution of the Belgian Congo by any chance? It is. Brilliant. John Clark was a man who gave his life and dedicated his life for years to translating the Bible in the Belgian Congo. And he struggled for two years. This is so long ago. There's no Google. There's no encyclopedia to go and consult. He was searching to find an appropriate translation for the simple word, advocate. His search came to an end when he visited the then king of a tribe called the Molongo people. He was talking to this man, and while he was there with him, one of the tribe's officials came to talk with the king, to take instructions from the king, and go then to carry out his duties. And the king told John Clark this man was his Nasenga Makwashi. That's his title, not his name. This is the man who represented the people to the king. So Clark said to him, can I just follow him? Can I watch him? Can I see what he does when he does your work for you? And at the edge of the first village they came to, Clark found this man talking with three women. The husband of one of these women had died and she was being evicted. Somebody fancied her hut, it was nicer than the other huts in the village. So they wanted that and she needed help. And then the Senga Makwashi said, I'll take you to the king. You can speak to the king. And she said, I can't do that. I'm old, I'm scared. I won't be able to get the words out to speak in the presence of the king. And this man said, there's no need for you to speak. You leave it with me, I'll speak for you. And he took her along and he spoke clearly and simply and passionately, presented her case to the king. And the king ordered his court to care for this woman, to make sure she kept her house, and to arrest the people trying to evict her. That widow found justice. But John Clark found the word, two words, for advocate. And in that translation of the Bible, the word advocate is translated in the Senga, Makwashi. The great thing is we have an advocate with the Father too. An advocate who's strong when we are weak. An advocate who speaks up when our tongues are tied. Our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who walked our streets. He's our advocate, our Nasenga Makwashi. This is Hebrews 4 and this is 15 and 16. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, Max Licardo's illustration um, about the president is quite close, but it falls short. 
Even if that man had had the president's phone number, he'd have been too busy to speak to Max Licardo. Do you fancy a game of golf next weekend, boss? It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. He was a busy, busy man. But we could all call God at any moment. We've already done that. We've lifted up out loud and in our hearts and minds probably hundreds of people. We've asked God to bless people. We've asked God to bring healing to people. We pray for peace in this world today. And he's never too busy to hear. He's never too busy for anyone. Because God has sleepless attention. God has endless devotion. And he listens. We might not be able to work out how we can hear maybe a million requests as if there were just one. But that doesn't mean he can't do that. It doesn't mean that he doesn't do that. Because we know God can. And God does. And amongst the requests he hears, amongst the the requests that he heeds, are our requests today. We don't have to have any great rank, any great title, any great position. We simply lift up our voices, lift up our hearts and minds, and God hears. Our Lord and our Saviour Jesus, he might be in heaven today, but he's never left the neighbourhood. Because he's still here today, within the hearts of each one of us, all of us who love him and trust him and praise him today. We have that amazing privilege of going back to that very first word that we looked at this morning, Emmanuel. Praise God. God is with us today and for eternity. Amen. 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 Okay. We'll sing our closing hymn now. My hope is built.